Greetings and salutations, valued listeners, and welcome to the Cult Spark Podcast. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our show, which, as you may know, is a podcast where we talk about entertainments of the cult and geek varieties. My name is Bob Taylor, and I'm joined, as always, by my partner in geekery, Stu Smith. Stu, say hello to the nice people listening. Hello, nice people listening. So tonight, we are going to spend a large chunk of the show talking about the new Ghostbusters. But first, there are some things I wanted to address about our website proper, cultspark.com, and about this current summer movie season as a whole. Stu, the last time you and I recorded a podcast was for Captain America Civil War, which sort of kicked off the summer movie season back in May. We both loved it. Got the summer off to a great start. but Or so we thought. <laughs> yeah, or so we thought. Because, man, ever since then... I seriously cannot think of a more depressing summer movie season to try to talk about, write about, podcast about. It's really been, like, it's shockingly, it like, it's not, I guess part of the problem is that it's not outright bad. It's just so limp. Yeah. Like, there's just, like, most of the movies that come out are okay. You know, they're not, they're not great. They're not even really necessarily good. They're just there. Right. And... It's a big part of the reason that our website proper has been kind of a desolate wasteland for the last month or so. Because, look, cultspark.com is not a huge earner. It's not a business for us. It's a website that Stu and I and some of our other friends, we do it for fun. We're cinephiles who happen to be writers. Uh, We all get paid for writing elsewhere. But, I mean, we specifically enjoy writing about film, podcasting about film, because we're geeks. We love the movies. So that's why we do the site. We we do have readers. We have a readership who who likes our site. I'm very thankful for them, and I want to please them. But this summer, man, it's just been not fun trying to keep up with all this with with film. And I basically just gave up. Yeah, it's just the the effort that it would take to write about most of this stuff is greater than any summoned amount of enthusiasm that you might be able to ring up. It it's just you know, I, I don't even necessarily know that, I mean, even if we did write about this stuff, I don't know that it would necessarily bring in a lot of people because you're just kind of like, eh, the movie's all right. It's just, you know, it's a thing. Go see it or right. don't. Again, I we, don't know. We write for the site when we want to, when we feel like we have something right. valid to say, even if only even, 100 right. or 200 even, people even read it. Bad, even if it's a bad movie, we at least feel like we have something to say. Yeah, you know, these movies are just not inspiring anything. So let's go. Let's just briefly go down through the list. Uh, and, and again, we are going to get the Ghostbusters. We're going to get to some other stuff. But let, let's talk about just briefly mention some of the movies that are making us feel this way. I mean, Independence Day Resurgence, Tarzan, Warcraft. These are movies I just had no desire to see, let alone write about. I didn't even want to see them. Did you see any of those films? Uh, I saw neither of those. There, there were three, Warcraft, Tarzan, Independence Day. You saw none of the three. Oh, uh, somehow I see those movies are so boring that I zoned out, exactly. and I didn't even I didn't even hear you, <laughs> you say Independence Day. You fell asleep. I almost went to go see Independence Day because I heard people uh, talking up like, "Oh, dude, you got to go see it if you play Destiny." And there's like, it's basically a Destiny prequel movie, and that was the first thing that I had really seen. Is oh yeah, okay, maybe I will go see this. But then I was just like, eh. Yeah, I mean, I just, Independence Day, that's a film that I feel like as soon as Will Smith says no, you can't make it. 
I, I mean, I honestly feel like having the full original cast. It, it, or at least Will Smith and Goldblum is the is the only reason to make that movie. And once you lose Will I, Smith, it's just there's no point. I think you could do it, but it would have it would have to be something really special for it to work. Like I mean, like you know, the Jets would have to like turn into Macross fighter mechs, you know, halfway through the movie and like you know be awesome like that. You know, just something like really cool and and and, and unique, not just because I mean. From everything that I can tell, that movie was literally just the first movie, but taken to the most upward extreme possible in terms of the destruction spectacle, which it's like, eh, who cares? You know, people, yeah, people like the destruction, but they also like Will Smith being Will Smith. And so, you know, you can't just be bigger explosions here. You got to actually do something that's interesting. So so those were the quote-unquote big summer movies I just had no interest in. And then there were... Uh, there, I also had some bad luck because there are others I would have seen and I would have reviewed for the site, but the scheduling just didn't work out. Um, X-Men Apocalypse and Conjuring 2, I would have went to the screenings, but both of those screenings were, were scheduled for bad days for me that I couldn't make it. Once I missed the screening, I mean, I kind of feel like if I can't get an advanced review up or at least one that runs like the opening Friday or Saturday, there's almost no point in even doing it because there's so much content out there by that point. Everybody's already seen it. So once I missed the screenings for those films, I didn't feel the need to run out and see them. And I still haven't seen either of them. I mean, Conjuring 2, I love The Conjuring, but I am totally fine waiting for horror movies to watch at home. I think it's a better experience anyway. Agreed. Watching home with the lights out. And X-Men Apocalypse... I mean, everybody kind of shit on it, and it kind of tanked, and everything I read about it sounded awful. I'm, and, I'm also completely over uh, Brian Singer X-Men films. Right, so did you go see Apocalypse at any point? I almost went to go see it. <laughs> so a lot of these films you almost went right. to see. Right, uh, that, that's kind of like half That's kind of like half the movies that came out this summer, was I almost went to go see them. Um, I al- almost went to go see it because my wife still really loves the X-Men movies. She just loves X-Men in general. Um, you know, but then she was like, oh, oh, I saw these reviews. Yeah, no, let's let's not go spend money on that. I was like, oh, okay. Well, sit at home, play video games. Yeah, I'm and fine. I mean, I just remember how, you know, as a comic book geek, I just remember how excited I was when those first, you know, when the original X-Men movie came out, right. when X2 came out. And if, if you could go back in time and tell myself, yeah, there's going to be a sequel to these movies that, come out, that comes out in so many years, and you're not even going to go. You're just going to shrug at it. And yet that's what right. happened. And so, you know, the, the the thing is, is a lot of these movies are underperforming, um, including Ghostbusters, which didn't even open up in first place this weekend. And right. there's starting to be a lot of talk about sequelitis and comic bookitis and sort of movie fans starting to be have a bad reaction to sort of all the reboots and remakes and repackages. And you know what? I think I'm feeling it, too. So I think it's a th- real thing that exists because I feel it. I, I don't think that I'm feeling it. I, I'm, I think a lot of these studios are just kind of coasting because, you know, it, it used to be it's like, oh, you know, you have even just a halfway decent uh, comic book movie that's, you know, that's better than, you know, Batman Forever or whatever. And it'll make a ton of money because it's, you know, it's novel. It's like, oh, hey, this is actually, you know, sitting half bad. You know, like if 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 the original X Men were to come out now, it it would it would tank so hard because it's just like it's not 
it's not a very good movie at all. And, it, and that's kind of what it feels like with a lot of these things. It's like, oh, okay, well, we can just do this. I mean, look at look at Captain America: Civil War. This movie, that movie has made uh, God, it's it's crossed a billion at this point. It's like right. made what, like one one point one huge success, one, right? Huge success, one point one billion dollars. I mean, yeah, some of that you can attribute some of that. To, oh, you know, with you know, the shared universe thing, and people really dig that. But it's just it's just a really good movie. You know, look at the the Fast and Furious movies. Those those movies keep making more money than the previous ones, and it's because you know, I mean, stupid as those movies are, they're really well made. They're a lot of fun, you know. And so I I don't know that it's necessarily cape fatigue or whatever or franchise fatigue. I think people are just not as tolerant of you know mediocre movies, especially especially now that we live in a you know in a Netflix and Amazon instant world where you know, you have so much else that you can do at home for, you know, one price that you paid at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies are still pretty bulletproof. And then when you give audiences something cool and original like Deadpool, it can still blow up. Right. But, I mean, when you and, play... and that's not and that's not to say that I, I mean, I, th I think there is some merit to the whole franchise fatigue thing. You know, but I, I don't think that that's the dominant factor. I mean, it's just, again, when they put out an X-Men movie and it doesn't look substantially different from the last X-Men movie, even though I like right. Days of Future Past, it's just like, I just don't feel an overwhelming desire to get to the theater and see it. I mean, if I, you know, if I, if I get to the screening or I get out opening weekend and maybe it can be a part of the conversation, but it's like you miss those first few days and it's just like everyone's just very meh over the film. What's the point? Right. Well, I mean, I think a big part of it, and again, kind of going back to the Marvel thing, is that the Marvel movies tell a story. Right. Like, in, in each of their entries, and yeah, it's, yeah, they're part of a franchise. And we're in the middle of that story now. We're still Right. It's, well, they tell the overarching story, but each one, like Civil War, is a, is a contained story. Winter Soldier is a contained story. Iron Man 3 is a contained story. It tells stories. X-Men Apocalypse, from everything that I've read about it, doesn't actually tell any real kind of a story. It's just Apocalypse shows up and then stuff happens. Like Batman v Superman, literally no story in that movie. Stuff literally, I mean, just stuff happens for two and a half hours. You know what, really, and it's not really, it's not fair for us to sit here and talk too much shit about movies we haven't even seen, but the thing that drove me crazy is, uh, you know, X-Men comes out, and I read a couple reviews where writers were making fun of the fact that the movie's set ten years later, and yet none of the characters seem to have, like, uh, right. Quicksilver still lives in his parents' basement. And Lucas, Lucas Till is, like, in his 20s, but... According right. to the movie timeline, he should have been, like, 40 right. or Right, and at that point, I'm just thinking, man, if they put so little thought into this movie that all this can be true, why should I do anything other than just wait for this to hit HBO, you know? Right. Uh, so that just bugs the hell out of me. Um, I, I will see X-Men Apocalypse and, and Conjuring 2. I just I didn't feel the need to rush out. Uh, Ghostbusters, I would have loved to have gone to the screening and had a review up. I was on vacation, so bummer there. Um, Star Trek, I thought Star Trek's going to be the one. It's another sequel. It's another, you know, franchise. I'm not optimistic it's going to do that well at the box office, but that'll be interesting to our readers. I'll go see Star Trek. They didn't have a screening for it here in Pittsburgh. That's so, ridiculous. I, I'm not sure why that is. Maybe they just limited it to the, you know, the major, major cities, but it's just, yeah, it's just been a bad, and, and again, am I upset by it? 
not really because I I didn't love the last Star Trek film and I'm you know it just feels like more of the same. Everything yeah. just feels more of the same. Sure. Um, the one original film I saw this summer was uh, The Nice Guys, which I believe we both saw, correct? Yeah. And we both liked it. I think I liked it more than you from the discussion. Yeah, you liked it more online. than me. I, I really, like, I don't, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I definitely enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I think Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is Shane Black's better film, but uh, of these two, uh, of his original films, I should say. But it's it's still great. I mean, it's it was it was a heck of a lot of fun. I mean, especially for one of the few original films coming out, few original films aimed squarely at adults. Yes. Uh, like man, I can I cannot remember the last time that I saw a movie like that where it's just like, hey, here's some boobs. Hey, here's lots of cursing, you know, and violence. Like right. it really it's, it was it was very much a throwback to the kinds of movies that he that you know that he used to write back in the 80s and that used to write it that and I was and I was going to say that used to come out regularly in my right. in, in my teenage years and it's just, right, just exactly. you just don't see him anymore um, and I saw that one like too I didn't see that one until it had been out like 3 weeks and as a matter of fact the day I went to see that movie I had the choice between the nice guys or X-Men and I picked the nice guys which was you probably, probably made the right choice I'm going to guess and um although again it it tanked <laughs> basically <laughs> nobody saw it it's like here's this one bit of grown-up adult fun that's not based on a video game it's not a sequel it's not a reboot and nobody went to see it so i don't know how you explain that because if all the franchise stuff's underperforming and the original stuff is underperforming what are what are people waiting for what are people going to see is everybody just home watching netflix and playing video games i you know i don't know I, part of me thinks that releasing that one toward the end of the summer like I think if that had gotten released, yeah. I think if that had gotten released now, it would be doing a lot better. Or just even because, maybe even August or maybe even September. Right, even even in the fall. But I mean, like people are like, oh, no, I mean, it's a it's a comedy. You know, I can wait and watch that on Netflix. Plus, I'm gonna save my, you know, I'm gonna save my money and go watch X Men and, you know, and all these other bigger movies that are almost certainly gonna be, you know, more exciting. But you know, now that everything's kind of fizzle it's like oh yeah let's go see that thing that probably do probably do better now or yeah almost certainly do better in the fall so the other thing that we should at least mention is that it seems like this summer we've had you know more and more movies arriving in theaters with so much toxicity attached to the not the film necessarily but at least the conversations around the film uh, Batman v Superman had it, Captain America had it to some extent, and now with the Ghostbusters fiasco and sort of this awful, I don't know, anti-feminist movement or whatever it is, and you know, I'm sure you read about Leslie Jones being driven off Twitter by just hateful trolls. Yeah, it was actually kind of, I, I hated it in part, I mean obviously it's a horrible thing uh, that she was driven to do something like that. I, I, like I, I, I just, I can't even. I just, I can't even imagine being under attack like that. And the thing is, it, it. I mean, it's not the film's fault. It's the, it's the fault of some really obnoxious, terrible 
quote unquote super fans, but it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth and it makes me ashamed to be a geek and it makes me hesitant to talk about movies online. I mean, I, I haven't personally had much hate spewed my way because I'm just one guy writing for a little labor of love website with my friends, but I mean, just seeing it elsewhere or maybe getting, you know, I occasionally get tagged in the stray nasty Twitter comment. It's just, it's exhausting and it's unwelcome and it makes me unenthused about the whole thing you know summer movie season as a whole it's just well, and i just it it's it's so baffling to me like i don't understand where this level of hatred comes from it's ghostbusters right like i like i mean i've known plenty of people that have loved ghostbusters obviously i mean you know you go to any convention you got you know quartets and trios of people showing up in in name tag jumpsuits with homemade proton packs and stuff. I mean, you know, it has dedicated fans, as does any property. But, again, it's Ghostbusters. Who's going to hate on, you know, who's going to hate on someone because they're a lady Ghostbuster? And what did people want to happen? I mean, once Harold Ramis died, that pretty much killed any chance at a Ghostbusters 3 with the original cast. Well, I mean, Bill Bill Murray had been killing any chance of an original reunion anyway. And right. And I mean, we, we could talk about whether the film would have been better served by setting it in the same universe as the first two films, rather than starting over rather than rebooting. And I actually, after having seen it, I still think it may have benefited for that, but we're talking degrees of differences here. That doesn't mean, I mean, it was still going to be, it was either going to be a hard reboot or it was going to be a light reboot in in continuity. But right. either way, yeah, with Murray not interested, with Ramus gone, it was going to be a reboot in some capacity. So, yeah, anybody getting angry that they picked four absolutely wonderful female comedians to do it, it's, it's asinine. But again, it's just one more thing I add to this long list. It's just it's made me exhausted and reticent to talk about film too much this summer. It, it hasn't made me reticent to talk about film, in part because I've been lucky enough to have never been even close to a target for that sort of thing. Right. I don't know. It, it just makes me sad more than anything that people can be that hateful and that deranged, really. Because, I mean, that's right. what it comes down to. I don't know if you saw any of the stuff that uh, people were sending uh, – sending Leslie Jones's way on Twitter, but I mean, they were like, they were, I mean, you had people calling her an ape for hours. Yeah. I mean, it was just, just some of the most vile stuff. It just, I don't. Nobody deserves that. Nobody for any reason, let alone for uh, being a, you know, successful Saturday Night Live cast member who gets picked to star in a, you know, reboot of a film. That's, that's, we'll get to it in a minute, but it it turns out to be a pretty good movie. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah, like that. I think that's that's kind of the ultimate irony too. Is that like, it's not even a bad movie. Like, it's actually a a really good movie. I thought. All right. Well, we'll go. Yeah, ahead. I mean, it, Let's go ahead and get into that now. I just th- thanks for everybody listening, and thanks to you, Stu, for allowing right. me to get all that all off my chest. <laughs> for those listening to this podcast, I'm glad you're still with us. We are going to have Cult Spark content up again soon. I just felt I owed our listeners an explanation, and I thought it might be interesting to talk about why I've just been sort of so deflated by the summer movie season. Although, if we're going to look for highlights, we'll get into it. I think Ghostbusters is one. It's not a perfect movie. I don't even think it's a great movie, but I do think it's a very good one. 
Or at least a solidly good one. There, I probably laughed more overall at this. Like, there are, there are more jokes in this one than there are in the original. Like, I laughed more at this than I did the the original film. So I think pound for pound, it has more laughs. The original, I would say there are the, more. The original, I, I would say there are more jokes written into it. There are things in Ghostbusters, the original, that maybe wouldn't count as jokes, but are still hilarious because of the line reading or the oh, sure. affectation of the actor or whatever. There I mean, may be more direct me, jokes written into this. I don't right. know. If, I wouldn't don't, say don't it's funny. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I the original will always be the original. The original is like one of the ultimate examples of a moment in time. You know, capturing lightning in a bottle uh, with a cast that can never be replicated. Uh, you, you just you will never have that again. Uh, but I really like this. I think it's got it. Sure, it's got its set of problems. It needed at least another pass or two on the script because the middle just kind of goes nowhere. It just spins it spins its wheels until hey, suddenly we're in the finale. Uh, but it's just a lot of fun hanging out with these characters if there is a singular triumph in this film it's that it builds a team that i love hanging out with and will absolutely sit through multiple sequels with that's how good everyone is here uh, yeah i mean i get uh, again i didn't get to see it in time to give it a sort of proper advanced review at the site but i still logged it under my letterboxd account i gave it three and a half out of five stars i think the i think the cast is fantastic I think the characters are strong. At least the four, the, our four primary Ghostbusters are strong. I think the first hour is is better than three and a half stars. I borderline loved the first hour. A lot of the setup. I, I um, there are times that I think this film apes the original Ghostbusters too closely and too much tries to emulate it. But they do a good job of really differentiating the characters and giving them their own stories that like you can't go through this movie and say, oh, she's Peter Venkman. And he's it's not sort of one to one lining up with all oh, this person. There's no person. obvious an- analog, right. which is which was the smart thing to do. Correct. These are original characters with unique relationships that are really well set up. Uh, you don't have to get in very far into the movie at all to understand who these people are and how they relate to each other. And it's a really well done setup. And that's probably the, the film's biggest strength is that everyone comes, even even kind of the lesser characters, which, you know, I think Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy's characters are the weak links here, if you had to point one out. Um, <clears throat> but pretty much, pretty much everyone involved comes into this fully formed, which is so rare, uh, you know, for any kind of film like this. I mean, you know, usually you have to go through a full arc to really understand people, but, you know, you you get uh, Holtzman right from the start. You get Patty, you know, from that first scene with her. You know, I mean, you you get, uh, you know, the relationship with, with uh, Aaron and Abby. I mean, it's just really, really well done. Um, what I really liked about McCarthy and Wig is that they're almost playing against type. Maybe not entirely, but these are two... Well, Melissa McCarthy is... Right, these are two actresses who are kind of known for their loud... Yeah, at least McCarthy sort of loud, oversized roles, think bridesmaid. And that's not what they have her doing here at all. 
which I think is very smart. And even Kristen Wiig from her Saturday Night Live days is known from sort of really strange characters and quirky characters that she used to do on SNL. And she also plays very much sort of a straightforward character here. And I think it's very smart of them to do that. Leaving leaving sort of the broader stuff to McKinnon, who's amazing, who we'll get into in a minute. Right. Um, it's in, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, like, Kristen Wiig is usually playing characters that are, like, exasperated or kind of weird. Right. You know, but here, I mean, she's, uh, you know, you're seeing someone that, that's very buttoned down, uh, but is also trying to, like, really hold some stuff back. You know, it, it's very much, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a, a different kind of thing than we've seen from her. You know, but uh, Melissa McCarthy was definitely the one. She was. Uh, I've I've kind of, you know, grown weary of of stuff from her, just in part because so much of what she plays feels so similar. Uh, so having, you know, have her play a character that feels so different from anything else that she's you know normally gone for was was uh, refreshing. Right. I mean, by far, I I I'd be I would think that you couldn't find anyone who would disagree that the biggest strength of this movie is those four girls, their relationship, those characters. Because I, I mean, I don't know if I like the movie enough that I'm craving a sequel, but I'm certainly not going to object to spending more time with those four characters. If I get the chance, um, I'm with you. I think the script definitely needed another pass. I think they completely lose the, all the threads in the plotting in the second half I'm on the record as saying I don't think the Andy Garcia Mayer stuff works very well. Uh, it's almost – I feel like that stuff was just kind of tacked on. There was a mayor in Ghostbusters who's very memorable, so maybe Paul Feig felt like there had to be a mayor character. I, then, I think it's I think it's fine. It It's not bad. It just kind of – it definitely does feel tacked on, and which is, which is sad because I actually like seeing uh, Andy Garcia do comedy stuff. So it really makes me wish that they had found a better use for him. Yeah, it's just you know, and I, and I like I like the kind of gag that the, the running gag that they were going for, the whole thanks, but now we're gonna have to completely stab you in the back publicly. I mean that that could have worked, and again it, that that kind of goes with the whole it felt give, it, like, give it another pass, but you know right here's what yeah. it felt like it felt like oh it felt like they had an idea like oh here's an interesting twist let's say that the mayor and his staff knows that there are all these su- supernatural phenomenon but they just they got to cover it up in the sake of keeping the peace and everything it's almost like they had that idea and thought that's clever we're gonna put that in the movie but then they never properly integrated it it's just it just lays there and doesn't seem to connect to anything in any real way. And the the original Ghostbusters kind of crescendos, you know what I mean? Everything builds. Everything right. builds towards that battle on top of the tower, uh, you know, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and Zool and all that. It really builds and builds and builds and gets there. Whereas this movie, after the great introduction, the good first hour, it doesn't really build to anything. It's just like, oh, there are a couple different scenes where they're trying out equipment. And then there's a climax, and it doesn't build to that climax. It just happens. It feels like. Well, I, I think part of the problem is that in like in the first film, you had people doubting the Ghostbusters, but it was after they were Ghostbusters for a while. This film, part of the problem is that this film spends too much time on them having to prove themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, before launching into the finale, there's very little time for them to to actually be Ghostbusters. Right. 
Right. It feels they don't. The characters are great, but it's almost like them as a team, them as the Ghostbusters. It never quite gels the way you think it should. Right, and and I think that's part of one of the, really the biggest uh, failure of the film, starting out as a reboot and having to reestablish everything. It's like you know, Ghostbusters is a pretty simple concept. It's you know, it's people and they, you know, they're they're ghost exterminators. I mean, that's what they are. And you know, and you can mix science and horror and all that kind of stuff into it. But I mean, that you know, that's the concept, and it's a simple one. And it's one that pretty much everyone knows, given how ubiquitous uh, the original is. So, you know, it just seems kind of silly to, okay, well, we need to establish all of this again. Like, I feel like this would this would have been so much better served if we could have just jumped right in and found a way to establish these characters while also establishing that they're already Ghostbusters. Yeah, I mean, we can circle back around to talking about whether it should have been a full-on reboot because, you know, there's been lots of talk that, you know, if how hard is it to set it in the same universe as the first two movies so that Peter Venkman existed, Ray Stance existed, you know, we pick up, you know, one of the girls, maybe Abby is one of their daughters or whatever, and it's just... The reason I think that still might have worked is not because, oh, you've ruined my childhood and how dare you erase my beloved Ghostbusters. It's not right. that. It's for the reason you said. It's the, because then we could have used shorthand to get this uh, – to build this up a little faster and a little better and a little more interesting without spending this whole movie doing so much heavy lifting, which doesn't really hurt it in the first half, but I think starts to hurt it in the second half. Yeah. Or at least in the middle section, middle act. Well, and, and, and in the end, honestly, I mean, those are definite problems, but they don't sink the film. Uh, it still has plenty of laughs. Yes, it's a uh, good movie. Th- it is solidly a good movie. Right. It, it, it has plenty of laughs. The chemistry is fantastic amongst the entire team, which was, I mean, I had, I had two really big question marks walking into this because I, I was not really sold on it. Every one of the trailers and teasers that I saw, it's like, Every joke fell flat. It just, none of the, you know, part of what makes the original so good is that, you know, they interact so well. I mean, there's just, you know, some great chemistry there. And I got none of that from any of the trailers, which, I mean, that was completely unfounded. I mean, that's just. Trailers for this movie were terrible. They were terrible. They really were. They really, really were. Uh, But everyone, everyone works together great here. Uh, And Leslie Jones, she was the other big question mark because, I mean, I had only seen a couple SNL sketches from her and it's just like she just she just nothing that she's done in SNL has ever impressed me uh so I was just like is this just going to be you know a sassy black woman part you know where she's literally slapping the devil out of people uh but she's great I think she's probably she's probably the best written character uh, in this entire yeah. movie, and the performance that that she gives is really, really good. Like, I mean, she really finds the heart of that character in a way that nobody else really kind of manages to. So, I I, I thoroughly enjoyed her, uh, which really surprised me. I was I was glad to be surprised in that way. Yeah, I'm f- I'm fine with Leslie Jones on Saturday Night Live. She makes me laugh, but she does. She's kind of a one note. Personal. She flirts. Right. With, she flirts with Colin Joes during Update. I mean, that's what she does. It's kind of a. Uh, but yeah, she has a really well-rounded, well-portrayed character in this. And then we can also speak of Kate McKinnon, who is just wonderful. Literally, 
it was one of those rare, like, I will probably only have a handful of other times where I'm watching a movie and seeing a movie star being born like right. that because it did not matter what she did. It could have been, you know, the camera could have cut to her and she's winking or, you know, slapping together some hardware or, like, eating Pringles or just saying something funny or just being her, you know, her weird eccentric self in that movie. I mean, I would every, like... Every time, literally every time, it got a lap. It was unreal. I am likely going to have to buy this Blu-ray just so I can rewatch her singing El DeBarge, The Rhythm of the Night, over <laughs> and over. And, because that scene is so wonderful. It's, she gets one of the best hero moments in any summer movie It's this year. I, like, I mean, it's... I, I said today it's my and granted we've already discussed all the films we haven't seen this summer, but I still feel comfortable saying this is the best summer movie moment we've had since Peter Parker hit the screen in Civil War. Easily, her, her Easily. hero shot. I mean it's it's great. Um, so these are a lot of the reasons the movie. Whatever preconceived notions you have, and I have a lot of friends who kind of got turned off of it and haven't seen it uh, movie fans should see it ghostbusters fans should see it it's a legitimate installment oh it just i mean if you like movies with funny people right. being funny it's i mean this is it i mean this you know it's it 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 will generate laughs throughout i mean there was never you know there aren't any duds i don't think i don't think there were any jokes that necessarily well fell I, flat. I can tell you this there's there's one component that everybody seems to like but me and that is Chris Hemsworth, who you don't like Chris Hemsworth. In I this? Really? I think I think he's fine in it. I don't That's... think the problem's him. I think the way the role is written, it's just way too broad. I think it's just way too broad. It it is broad. I will it's I will too definitely broad. I will definitely grant that it is very broad. I think I think if it were some I think if it were someone else playing the part, it wouldn't work as well. And then it would be it's too broad. Just, Nobody's, but Hemsworth makes it work. Hemsworth this, is that perfect but, idiot Ken doll. Uh, but that, nobody is this dumb. And and I know there'll be people saying, oh, you're complaining about realism in a movie with ghost busting and stuff. But no, I can complain about this. It's the Ghostbusters universe. The ghosts are accepted. Nobody is that dumb. But nobody but, is this dumb. I mean, the glasses without the frames and his him carrying around his little, you know, his uh, acting shots know, with like the in, saxophone. In some, in some ways, it... I mean, it's, Andy was never Andy in Parks and Rec was never. Oh come! Dumb. You can't make but this. A, you can't Andy make this comparison. Andy in those last couple seasons. Andy in Parks and Rec is sublime. Chris Pratt's character in Parks and Rec is sublime. Uh, don't don't get me wrong. He's he's a better character, but he is close to being that dumb. I would I will in the last strongly couple seasons, disagree with you, sir. Strongly in the disagree. Last couple seasons he approaches like because no. I remember I remember thinking having the exact. Same thought that you had about Hemsworth, about Andy, and I'm like, no one, he would not survive. But he's the thing that is, dumb. You know what? And I mean, this is a little unfair because Parks and Rec ran for seven seasons. But yeah, right. I mean, there are those dumb scenes with with Andy. But there's also a lot of straightforward scenes, emotional scenes, realistic scenes. So it kind of balances all that out. Chris right. Hemsworth is just stupid in this movie. That's it. He's just he stupid. is stupid. And I agree. And I think they I, they use him just the right amount, you know. He he'll pop into frame, 
do some do or say something just unbelievably stupid, get a huge laugh, and then you know just poof disappear. And see, for me, it wasn't a huge laugh. I might chuckle just because Hemsworth did really sell some of the stuff. Oh man, but, he. But he I would chuckle. Up my audience. But I might chuckle, but then it would take me out of the movie because I'd just be like, "This is too dumb." It would see. I it would take me out of the movie if they if they focused on him more. But as it were, I mean, he was just, you know, they'd cut, cut, joke, blam, move on. And, and, then the, so. and then the other thing, there's the weird, you know, once he's possessed by the villain, there's that bit at the end where he makes all the police officers and citizens of New York and emergency personnel, he puts them all in position. They're in like the Saturday Night Fever pose or whatever. Right. And then it, it goes nowhere. It goes nowhere. And then and then in the end credits, we're treated to this like montage of him making them dance, which I think it's clear that that was intended to be a part of that final act, but they must have cut it. And then they save it for the credits, and it's just, it seems so displaced to me. It's like, why are they showing me this? Like, this big dance-off thing that he's controlling these people didn't happen during the film. Right. Which ends up awkward. Why is he putting them in the Saturday Night Fever pose and then just leaving them there? It's it, You can tell something's missing. Yeah, it was weird, because I remember watching that, and I was like... Oh, he's like gonna line them up to like humiliate them or like right. point. He's making them all point toward you know some harbinger of doom or something. I, you know, see, like, I thought they were entering a maybe it's not the Saturday Fever thing exactly, but I thought clearly he was putting them in a dance pose and that he was gonna make them do sort of embarrassing activities. And right, then, and then, and then, it then it that never happens. And nothing happens. But yeah, then it, it happens it, in the credits, which makes me think it was supposed to happen. Right. It's some wonky, and again, not Chris Hemsworth's fault, but when you, when you sort of do the possession and turn him into the villain for a stretch and during the climax, and it's so choppily edited, it it just makes me think, why is this character here? So I didn't go for Hemsworth's character. Uh, the other thing I was surprised by, I did not like most of the cameos. I thought they were jarring. Uh, the only cameo that I thought was really. I mean, Ernie Hudson's is a nothing cameo. I could, I called it walking into the theater. Okay, Ernie Hudson's is actually my favorite. But really? Go ahead. Yes, go ahead. You speak your piece first. Uh, I mean, it, it's not bad. It's fine. It's just kind of there. Uh, he, you know, he just doesn't really do it. It's, oh, okay. Oh, haha. There's Ernie Hudson because we were all wondering where he was. Um, you know, I liked uh, Bill Murray's was fine it was a waste it was a waste of bill murray mm-hmm. um you know uh Ackroyd's, Ackroyd's got a laugh out of me uh just because he commits to it you know uh sigourney weavers was the only one that like like i was like oh that okay that's great that's hilarious you know okay uh, here's where i'm in, at. in large part because she was interacting with kate mckinnon yeah here's where i'm at uh i liked the two that i really liked were Ernie Hudson and Sigourney Weaver. And I, I think it's just because those ones didn't... First of all, I didn't see the Ernie Hudson one coming, which I actually felt dumb about after. Really? I, I like, should as have. Soon, as soon as she said, borrow a car from my uncle, I was like, oh, that's going to be Ernie Hudson. I, 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 I'm dumb. I didn't think of that. So, when he, <laughs> so I, I mean, I did I did get almost a little bit ahead of it at the end. Like, once you see her uncle pulling in, it's like, oh, here's where Ernie Hudson's going to be, and you realize what's going on. But Ernie Hudson's felt organic... To the movie and Sigourney, and, and Sigourney Weavers, even though it was during the credits, it felt organic to the movie, and I thought it was funny because she was interacting with McKinnon. Um, Annie Potts's was fine. 
Right. Uh, but the other ones, like Dan Aykroyd's, I thought stuck out like a sore thumb. Uh, Bill Murray's I didn't like. Like, again, I kind of understand what they were going for. Oh, wouldn't it be funny if we – Bill Murray, the most you know famous ghost believer on film, we're going to make him a jaded pessimist, and then we're going to throw him out a window. So I kind of understand what they were going for. I think the Bill Murray one would have been better if they had just left it at the bit of him on TV. I kind of agree. It's like there's a little more buildup with his character because he gets two scenes. But honestly, it's not that good of a role. Well, and they just they don't really do anything. Honestly, Bill Murray's not funny in it. They didn't give him anything really funny to do. Yeah, like again, he just kind of he shows up and he acts weird in his stupid little hat. Yeah, uh, it's, all, and right. then, it's all about this dumb And then costume. that's it. And then they throw him out a window, which I feel like is kind of a throwback to, oh, Bill Murray always said he wanted to be killed in Ghostbusters 3, so let's kill him. So it was right. almost like a meta. Well, and then, like, but like it's, it's just, so it's weird dumb. because, like, that, that happens in the middle of the team, you know, coming under fire and being, you know, everybody being skeptical. A guy literally gets thrown out the window of their office and dies, and then they just kind of... Like nothing ever happens no, with it. No it repercussions. Weird. I don't know. It was yeah. It was kind of jarring. So yeah, I mean, uh, again, the Ernie Hudson one I thought was integrated nicely, and the Sigourney Weaver one brought a big smile to my face. But I, other than that, I just thought they kind of stopped the movie dead. And plus, not a member of the original cast, but that little Ozzy Osbourne thing. What the fuck was that? Well, and that one's that one's unfortunate because it was clearly filmed uh, before their relationship went sour. <laughs> so yeah and it yeah so it's just random like i don't even what was the point of that it's like oh look ha, ozzy's weird no so, one cares like most of these big franchise movies since civil war not counting civil war but since then it's underperforming it only opened to what like 50 million dollars or something it could even be a cartoon in its second week so I mean, do you think the studio is disappointed? Are you surprised that it opened that low, box office-wise? I'm a little surprised. I am. Um, But then again, it's like, I mean, it opened up against a kids' animated film in a summer that has been very, very light on kid kid fare. Well, we had Finding Dory, and, and Secret Life of Pets was in its second week. Man, kids never bet against kids' movies. Those movies will always make tons of money. Sony, Unless I mean, um, Sony had to be expecting more, though. They oh, I'm sure they were. I'm sure they were at least expecting a number one weekend. But And do we know, get a sequel now? I don't know. I'd say 50-50 at best. I, I think we will. Uh, I think the property is, is valuable enough. Oh, I'm, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm sure you'll get another Ghostbusters film, but the question is, will you get a direct sequel to this one with this cast and creative team? Yeah, I, I, I think we will because you know I think the amid all of the 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 bile that has been spewed about it, I mean people the people that actually went to go see it, uh, you know, genuinely seem to enjoy uh, the actors and their roles. So I you know I don't think. Yeah, I, I think we'll get one. I think we'll get another one with this team. I I mean, I would definitely be there. This movie was good enough and funny enough that I would, you know, be there enthusiastic opening weekend. Like, it'd be, it'd be one thing. I would be more doubtful of a sequel if this was a cast that was primed to blow up and become really expensive. Right. 
but I mean, all I mean, I think the probably the only person that you know is stands on the brink of that is Kate McKinnon, right? Um, you know, but that's also not going to happen overnight. I don't think. I mean, again, so I mean, so basically, I mean, you have, you have a good team that people like and that won't be expensive to bring back. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'd put money on it. I mean, again, like you said, it's 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 too big of a franchise. There's too much sort of riding on it. So there's going to be another right. Ghostbusters movie. And yeah. at, this, at this point, I would rather have a direct sequel to this than like an animated film or some sort of sure. reboot or some sort of... Now we're past the point where you could connect it to the original films. I don't want to do that anymore. Let's just make another one of these, have a little bit of a stronger script. I'd be fine with that. Agreed. So, long story short, Ghostbusters, you know, it's, it's it's a fine movie. And a summer where it seems like the best we can hope for <laughs> is fine. Yeah. Uh, can, I mean, what can salvage, can Suicide Squad salvage the season, Stu? Are we looking forward to that? I, you know what, I, I've always been optimistic about Suicide Squad. Uh, I, you know, at, at least outside, you know, within our group, I think I've been one of the only people uh, you know, it's been like, hey, yeah, this actually looks pretty good. You know, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, it it will not save the summer, I don't think. You know, I still think it stands a chance of being good and fun and entertaining, but no, uh, you know, Star Trek's not going to do it. Nope. Uh, even though I'm hearing good things about it and I'm looking forward to it, uh, just because again, I like there's that a cat. ceiling on those Star Trek films. There definitely it, is. It's like 200 million domestic, and that's right. And that's best case scenario. I, I think it'll do so. fine. Um, but you know, again, it's not going to set anything or anyone on fire. Uh, Jason Bourne is not going to set anyone or anything on fire. Uh, even though I'm sure I'll go see that too. I, mean, I think Bourne could do better than Star Trek, and I, think, I, I yeah, I, and, I will, I will agree with that. And I think Bourne will be, like. I think Bourne can do better than X Men did. I'm, you know, Ghost, I'm, but then I'm, Ghostbusters is going to do. I'm curious what its ceiling is, just because, I mean, people like those movies. Damon and Greengrass went out on a great note, and everybody, uh, you know, liked that trilogy. But I don't know that anyone was clamoring for more from them. You know, I think everybody was pretty satisfied with what we had. So I'll be really curious to see, you know, if people actually show up for this one. I am trying to keep an open mind about Suicide Squad. And hopefully there will be a screening here and I can review it for the site. That would be that would be nice. Uh, you know, after the Batman versus Superman fiasco, I'm just, you know, I can't get behind any, really any of the creative direction that DC is doing. Um, but but the trailers look good. The cast looks interesting. So, yeah. We'll I, you know, yeah. Um, then, then again, uh, did you see the new trailer for the Magnificent Seven? I yes, I did, and I think it looks great. Right. I mean, again, I guess we could say, well, it's a remake, which is technically true, but it's well, not, Magnificent Seven was a remake. All right, of course, but it's not a remake in the sense of sort of. I mean, no kids really know what the Magnificent Seven is, or Seven right. Samurai, for that matter. I mean, you, you know, only us. It's not a, it's not a reboot of a beloved property that teenagers right. are really clearing out to get. So, right, right. So, in that regard, it might as well be considered an original movie. And that new trailer is fucking wonderful. Well, it looks fantastic. It looks fantastic. Apparently, it, it diverges uh, in some significant ways right. from its forebearer. So, right. so. 
and let's and I, I I mean Seven Samurai is a movie that's been remade a million times in a million different forms anyway. Right. But but uh, this movie looks like a, a blast. It looks grown up. It looks and when I saw that trailer today, I'm just like, you know what? Just get me out of the summer movie season. Just get me out of it. Get me on to the fall <laughs> movies. That's where I want to be. I want to see the magnificent magnificent seven. Let's yeah. Let's just wrap up this give, whole. Give me time. Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Give me Doctor Strange. Correct. Give me Star Wars. That's right. It's like just let's wrap up this whole depressing summer and get to that stuff. Right. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, you just named it. Magnificent Seven and Doctor Strange are the two movies this this fall, early winter. I'm looking forward to the most, even more than Rogue One. So, let's get to that. Um, what about Moana? Are you looking forward to that? Yeah. I mean, I got. Uh, Again, I, like it's the rock the rock is being in an listen, animated the one thing i did it's see, singing listen, how can i not see this listen the one thing i have seen this summer is kids movies because you know i got two two daughters right. uh, so i mean the movies we have made time for i saw finding dory which was fine which i, I never saw i haven't seen that it's it's good enough to exist it's like okay i can see why they made a sequel to this and why they wanted to make this movie but i've only seen uh, you know i've only seen finding nemo once i saw wow. it in the theater when it first came out Wait, and till, wait till your child arrives. Sir, I'm sure. I've I'm, seen Finding Nemo probably. Although we don't own it, so maybe not. Who knows? I, well, I think I know what I'm getting you for a baby <laughs> gift. But, but um, I, I saw that. It was fine. I saw the BFG. It was it was solid. I like the BFG. It was okay. I, I You know, I mean, it wasn't great. It's mid-tier Spielberg easily. Uh, but it was good. I mean, it, you know, it, it's rare that you get a kids movie that for the most for the majority of its running time it's just kind of this low key quiet thing you know that that it's just you know i mean yeah there are fart jokes and stuff but for the most part it's just about this little girl and a giant which it just feels it feels antithetical to a lot of a lot of kids programming these days i thought it was solid um i would probably call it mid to low tier spielberg but i thought the bfg himself and you know the the performance by mark rylance along with the he was incredible along he with was the animators along with the animators at, uh, at weta or weta however they pronounce it I, I mean it's a great character it's a really fun brilliantly realized character that's kind of stuck in a so-so movie but uh, i Again, in in lieu of all these big summer tentpoles that just could not stir my interest, I'm still taking my kids to see these movies, and, and they've been solid. Finding Dory, BFG, both solid. So, I think that's all we had on the docket tonight, Stu. Hopefully our next, whenever we come back and do this again, hopefully we can be more optimistic about stuff. I don't know, what, what's coming excited up? excited about stuff. What's, I mean, I guess... We'll, like, mini, we'll minicast Suicide Squad, right? Sure. Yeah. In the meantime, I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank all the Twitter porn bots that have weirdly started liking and oh, retweeting. Oh, it, it never <laughs> stops being weird. Stu and I never both, stopped being weird. Stu and I both noticed that Twitter links to our podcast have picked up a, a lot of porn bot activity in the last Consistently. Month, which, that's the weird thing. Like, it happens... Uh, like at least once a week now. I don't know how or why it happened, but I, you know, any pre- what's the, any press is good press, right, Stu? So we'll, we'll, we'll take <laughs> sure. we'll take the retweets and the likes from the porn bots. Um, if you would like to give us, if you would like to send us some legitimate non-porn bot love, uh, please follow us at Cult Spark on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. Review us and give us a nice rating on iTunes. And Stu and I are gonna cheer ourselves up, find some movies to love, and we'll be back soon. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.